Welcome to the greatest show on earth. Glad that you're here with us this morning. Um, we're in a series about at the movies, and uh, today's movie is The Greatest Showman. How many of you have seen the movie? Well, about half of you. It's about the life of P.T. Barnum, but it's really uh, mostly fictionalized. Uh, it's a musical. There's a lot of good music in it, and uh, a lot of the storyline is made up by Hollywood, but that's fine. It's a feel-good movie, and uh, if you haven't seen it, maybe after this morning, you'll be encouraged to see it. We'll show you a few clips. Um, <clears throat> we're doing this series because Jesus taught what God was like, often by stories. And so our storytellers today are moviegoer, uh, movies, and most of us are moviegoers. Most of us love movies of one kind or another. So we're going to look at The Greatest Showman, and there's lots of things we can talk about, but we want to talk to you about your identity. As a movie is about P.T. Barnum is searching for his identity, and then a group of outcasts, they're actually labeled freaks, that found identity in the circus. So hopefully you'll find this helpful and fun this morning. So here's where we're starting. Identity is important because behavior flows from identity. You act out of what you believe you are. So if you feel like, if you believe you're not worth anything, that you're had nothing to contribute, you'll probably just lay around all day and do nothing. If you have a good identity, you feel like you have worth and you feel like you can contribute, then you will be active in your life. So behavior flows from identity. Can you imagine being, uh, losing your uh, memory, for example? Then you would lose your identity, not knowing who you were, not knowing the people you care about in your life, the relationships in your life, and uh, no memories. It would be scary, it would be frightening, it would be sad. Most of us have friends, relatives with Alzheimer's and, and they lose our, their, slowly lose their memory and they lose their identity and it's really sad. And the fact is Satan is trying to erase your and my true identity if you're Jesus follower. And if you're not, we're glad that you're here. Hopefully this will be, uh, we believe, it'll be helpful for you. So he's trying to erase your true identity. Now, can, this is kind of war going on. Now, can Satan hurt God? Kind of a, a trick question. God's all-powerful, so Satan can't really hurt him, but maybe he can. If you wanted to hurt me, what's the best way to hurt me? Hurt my kids. I've got four kids. You hurt my kids, you hurt me. In fact, even in the Old Testament, they would capture a king, they would kill all of his sons, and then put his eyes out. The last thing he would see is his children being executed. So, God, uh, Satan can't hurt God, Unless he can hurt God's children, which are you and I. Not everybody's born a creation of God, but you're not a child of God unless you follow through and accept that gift, what we'll talk about in a few minutes. So how does Satan try and erase your and my identity? He loses lots of different things. The biggest thing, or one of the biggest things, is probably people's opinions. Maybe your parents said stuff about you that maybe weren't very positive, or maybe kids at school, or maybe somebody at work, or somebody um, at church, hopefully not. He uses opinions of others. He uses our hurts. We all have been hurt. We've all had uh, people betray us, and so that starts uh, bitterness and anger and resentment in us, and consequently we dwell on those things, we lose our identity. Another thing is, is society, media. Media tells us, in fact, uh, we're all, people are confused about who they are. Uh, even sexual identity now is confusing. 
So media and tell you how to dress, and if you don't dress this way, you don't, you're not important, etc. But the biggest thing is our thoughts, what we think. That determines our identity. <clears throat> so when God gives us a thought, we call it inspiration. That's a good thing. Hopefully God inspires me each week as I stand up here and, and try and teach uh, about God. But when Satan gives us a thought, we call it what? A, a temptation, and hopefully we resist temptations. So, parents may say, you're a loser, you're not going to amount to anything. People at work, you may get fired, get laid off. P.T. Barnum got dismissed, his company went under that he worked for. So he's searching for his identity. Uh, Mean things, like you never amount to anything, God couldn't love you, God couldn't forgive you for what you did. You'll never be uh, anybody. The question is, is it true? Is it true? And you, we all have to decide that for ourselves. But we want to talk about your true identity is if you're a Jesus follower, is in Christ. The most popular term used for a Jesus follower, that's a term we use a lot, in the Bible is the term in Christ. 140 times it appears in Scripture. The word Christian only a couple times. And of those 140, maybe 35 of those identify us in Christ, what we're like, what qualities we have, or what qualities God has given to us. So we're going to look at something Peter wrote. He was one of Jesus' closest disciples, and uh, he wrote a couple letters. We call them letters, First uh, and Second Peter. And I'm just going to read two verses, identify five, just five of the 35 or so, ways that we can identify ourselves in Christ. So here we go. Verse 9. But you are not like that. He's comparing uh, to people that aren't Jesus followers. For you are a chosen people. You are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Then he says this, once you had no identity, Literally, he's, next verse, he's claiming that outside of Christ, you really have no identity or can't find your identity as a people. Now you are God's people. And we're going to see that gives you identity. Once you received no mercy, now you've received God's mercy. So the first thing we want to point out is that you're chosen. So you and I in Christ are completely accepted, completely accepted or chosen. Now, we all have been rejected. Maybe rejected by some other kids. Maybe rejected again in the workplace, school. Uh, could be uh, you may have been rejected by a boyfriend, girlfriend, maybe even a spouse. Could be rejected by your kids. Uh, lots of places we can be re- rejected. So consequently, you and I desire to be accepted. So we chase after it, and that's one reason we do goofy things, especially when we're younger. Hopefully, not when we get older. We dress goofy ways. You go look back at the stuff I used to wear in the 60s and 70s. Uh, folks would laugh now, right? And it was because, why would you dress that way? Well, you wanted to be accepted by a certain group that would dress that way. On the playground, I don't know about you ladies, but us guys, they pick up teams, and I was always uh, kind of a 90-pound weakling type, even though I was pretty athletic. So when they're picking teams, guess where I got picked? Way down at the bottom, and you didn't feel accepted. You felt rejected. Some of you maybe didn't have that experience. Maybe you were an athletic and 
But we all have felt rejection. So consequently, do you feel accepted by God? And why would God accept you? Are you special? You've done something that God caused God to accept you? No, God accepts you, but not because of what you and I have done. Uh, We're going to look at some things Paul wrote, commenting on what Peter wrote. And here's something he wrote. He said this. Jesus treated us as much better than we deserve. That's an understatement. (laughs) Notice this. He made us acceptable. I didn't make myself acceptable. He made me acceptable to God. And he gave me, I didn't earn it, he gave me, it's a gift, the hope of eternal life. So we all seek acceptance. God gives it, offers it as a gift. He makes us acceptable. But we want more than just to be accepted. We want it to be considered of value or worth. And we're going to watch one clip from the movie, probably the most famous song from the movie, called This Is Me. And... Uh, so the circus has gotten off, to, off the ground. It's been pretty successful. In fact, it was really successful. And quote, unquote, the freaks, the people in the show, uh, are beginning to feel good about themselves until P.T. Barnum kind of gets an in with the in crowd, the rich people, and he kind of, uh, at this point in the movie, he rejects or he doesn't allow them to be, feel accepted by society. And we'll just watch one verse of this song. found a place in their case performers in the circus they have value in fact P.T. Barnum became rich (laughs) off these folks and he's going to mention it later in the film so not only are we accepted by God it's better than that if you will we are extremely valuable he described us as God's possession so what makes something valuable well a couple of things first who owns it now, if you go in a store and they're selling used basketball shoes and my shoes are there, Pastor Allen's shoes and LeBron James' shoes are there, same identical brand and style of shoes, which ones are going to cost more? Mine, of course, right? <laughs> <laughs> now, nobody would buy mine, probably thousands of dollars for this other pair just because 
Who owned them? Somebody famous. Selling two beds at auction. One is my bed and the other is Lincoln slept in. Which bed is going to go sell for more? Same identical beds. It would be the bed that Lincoln slept in, that Lincoln owned, because he's famous and I'm not. That gives something valuable. So who do you belong to? I can't imagine God saying, oh no, I created you? What a mistake. When we are in God's family, not everybody's in God's family, but when you, when you decide to be in God's family, you become in line to inherit from that family. So Jesus, in some respects, when we become a child of God, is our brother, and we are his brothers and sisters. So he's going to inherit the universe. The Bible tells us you and I are going to take part in inheriting, inheriting the universe because we are children of the God of the universe. Not much greater value than that. So we belong to God. The second thing that determines value is this. What somebody is willing to pay for it. My daughter is a realtor. She goes around and tells people how much their house is worth. Probably most of the time it's always less than what they think. Because we all think our house is worth more than it really is. But I can tell you how much your house is exactly worth what somebody's willing to pay for it. Not a penny more. That's what it's worth. So worth is determined by what somebody's willing to pay. So, what about you and I? Is somebody willing to pay something for you and I? Paul describes it in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, this way. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Now, talk about value. The holy God, creator and sustainer of the universe has chosen to dwell in you. What's that expression, God don't make no junk? He certainly wouldn't choose to dwell in junk, would he? So that in itself gives you and I great value. He lives in you. It was given to you by God. Again, this is by, given to us, not earned. You do not belong to yourself. So who do you belong to? Well, God bought you, next verse, with a high price, the highest price, the gift of his, the sacrifice of his son. He bought you with that price. So you must honor God with your bodies. Another way of saying this, I think that impacted me, is this. God saying, I'd rather die than live without you. Talk about value. People get kidnapped and they try and get ransomed, millions of dollars of ransom. The highest ransom ever paid was paid for you and I. The sacrifice of Jesus' life. The way I know that, I'm a parent. If somebody wanted to come and buy one of my children, what price tag would I put on that? You that are parents. What price tag? Anybody? Million dollars? Thousand dollars. <laughs> Take them for free. <laughs> now, there's no price that we would accept for one of our children, would we? Yet God sacrificed his only son for you. So if anybody ever... Th- tells you that you're worthless, or if you ever think you are worthless, you say, no, I'm not. God didn't die for no junk. He paid the highest price for me. We have tremendous, unlimited value. Third thing Peter talks about is this. 
we are eternally loved, we have become God's people. Now, we all have that aunt or uncle that's a little goofy in our family, right? That you're a little ashamed of. You don't, you know, outside of family reunions, you probably don't hang out with them. And if you can't think of that person, guess what? You're that person. That's right. <laughs> so we all got people in our lives that we're kind of ashamed of. But is God ever ashamed of you or I? See, God loves us. Let me talk about God's love a little bit. God loves us in this special way that's hard for us to comprehend. First, he loves us unconditionally, and we really can't understand that. The uh, reason we can't understand unconditional love is we really haven't experienced it. Our parents kind of do, but even our parents. I know at one point in my life, my mom, my dad, dad had died. My, wife, my mom kicked me out of the house, and maybe you've had experience like that too. So uh, all love is conditional. Uh, my spouse loves me greatly. I love her, but even that love will have conditions. So God doesn't love us that way. God doesn't love us. He doesn't say, uh, uh, I, I would love you because you love me, or I love you because you're a good person, or I love you because you're beautiful. And, of course, most of us, that, that's kind of in the rearview mirror, right? <laughs> that beauty's faded. Uh, I love you because you love me. I love you because you go to bed with me. I love you because. No, God, it's not because. Or God doesn't say, I love you if. I love you if you go to church. I love you if you act a certain way. I love you if you put money in the offering plate. I love you if you pray. I love you if you read your Bible. All these things are good. But that's not, that's conditional. And God doesn't love that way. And again, we struggle with that because it's hard for us to comprehend, isn't it? Because we don't love that way and we haven't experienced that. The other thing about God's love is this. It's unending. We say eternal. It's unending. There's no end to it. Now why can I say that? Well, why is God's love unending? And it's because it's not based on you or me. It's based on Him. It's His character. God is love. Not God is loving. God is love. He cannot not be loved. Uh, say it often this way around here. God will never love you any more than he does or any less than he does right now. Oh, do you think he loves you more because you came to church this morning? Mm -mm. If you don't come to church next week, do you think he's going to love you less? If you do something you shouldn't do this week, you think he's going to love you less? If you go out and help the poor this week, okay, God's going to love you more? No. He loves you unconditionally. He loves you unending. And it's not dependent on what you and I do or don't. It's hard to comprehend that. I understand. But it's based on his character. And God's character never changes. We get near the end of the film and there's been this turmoil. There's been a fire and uh, kind of the uh, circus is kind of looks like it might not go on any longer. And P.T. Barnum's feeling sorry for himself. And then his family comes to see him. Sorry for yourself. 
Folks, if you've come to get paid, the money's gone. All of it. Nothing Shut left to Shut up, give you. Barnum. You just don't get it. Our own mothers were ashamed of us. Hit us our whole lives. Then you pull us out of the shadows. And now you're giving up on us, too. Maybe you are a fraud. Maybe it was just about making a buck. But you gave us a real family. And the circus. That was our home. We want our home back. Then they break out and you can imagine. But anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Gave us a home, gave us a purpose, a family. They felt loved. Uh, Two more and we'll be finished. Another part of your and my identity is this. We are totally forgiven. We receive God's mercy. Can you be partially forgiven? Is it possible to partially forgive somebody? I, got, I don't think you can. You either have to forgive them or you don't. OMG, oh my gosh. Can't imagine God ever texting that. God is never surprised by something you and I do. That's one reason he can love you and I unconditionally. He already knows everything, every stupid thing you've done, every stupid thing you and I will do, and he's already forgiven you. If you're in Christ, he's forgiven you those things. So he's not surprised. You ever had this, something negative happen to you and feel, had this feeling that God's trying to get even with you? Uh, I thought it was a crazy illustration. I go to Taco Bell, and I'm vegan, so I order a vegan taco, and I get one with meat and think, ah, that's because I screwed up this week. God's getting even with me, and some poor schmuck in another table has got my vegan taco, and he's wondering what God, why God's mad at him. See, God doesn't get even with us. He doesn't get back with us. The price has already been paid. We talked about that. The price has been fully paid. One of my favorite verses in Romans 8, 1, because we struggle with this, and this verse is so important. Paul says this. Now there is only a little condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Did I, I didn't read it right? Oh, I missed the word there. There is no, meaning none, absolutely zero condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So God finds me acceptable and valuable and loves me and forgives me, again, just because of Christ. So consequently, there's no condemnation for me. It all fell in Christ. We sometimes get this concept that that Jesus is forgiving and God's judgmental and they're up there in heaven and and Jesus is twisting God's arm and says, you need to forgive me, you need to forgive me. I died on the cross for them. And God says, okay, I guess I have to. No. You read the Old Testament. God is unfailing love, unfailing mercy, continual forgiveness. God's character never changes. So we are fully are completely forgiven. And lastly, we are fully capable. This is huge. We are fully capable. Uh, Peter describes it this way. We are royal priests. Now, what does a priest do? I bet you didn't know you were a priest. And we're not Catholic. What do priests do? They represent God to to people and people to God. 
And uh, you don't need a priest, quote unquote, a professional priest to do that for you. In Christ, you and I get to do that on our own. We are capable of going to God and just importantly, representing God to other people. Now, we all feel incapable at times, don't we? So when you and I feel incapable, I often feel incapable to get up here and, and speak on God's behalf. When we feel incapable, that's a lie. That's an insult to Jesus. Notice what, how Paul explains it here in 2 Corinthians. There's nothing in us that allows us to claim that we're capable, so that makes sense for me to not feel capable of myself. The capacity we have comes from God. Next verse. It is he who made us capable of serving the new covenant, which consists not of written laws, but the spirit. The written law brings death, but the spirit gives life. So, in myself I'm not capable. In Christ Jesus, I am capable of whatever God wants me to do. To speak for Christ here, for you and I to speak to other folks about this life-giving spirit. You're capable. I'm capable of doing that. So what is it about us that we believe other people's opinions, we believe the media, we believe uh, our own thoughts before we believe God? What is that? I don't know what challenges you're going to face this week. I don't know what challenges I'm going to face this week. But I do know this, that God says I am capable of facing that challenge in Jesus Christ. You get to the end of the movie, again, the, the circus looks like it's not going to be able to continue. Uh, the building is burnt down. And there's a really important dialogue that happens again among the family. Thanks, said no. Emphatically. Repeatedly. I don't think there's a banker left in the country I can fool into loaning me more money, so. I'm really sorry to disappoint you all. Don't worry, Barnum. We've gotten used to it by now. <laughs> you know, Barnum, when I first met you, I had an inheritance claim, an invitation to every party in town. And now, thanks to you, all that's gone. All that's left is friendship, love, and work that I adore. You brought joy into my life. Into all our lives. Here, here. Bunny the bank would take joy as collateral. They may not. But I will. I own 10% of the show. Knowing who I was working for, I had the good sense to take my cut weekly. Philip, I can't let you gamble it on me. I say you can. Don't turn sensible on us now. Partners. 50-50. Partners. Friendship, love, work I adore. You brought joy to my life, all of our lives. Capable. Pretty familiar verse. Anytime you're not feeling capable, claim this promise from God. 
I can do some things through Christ that gives me strength. No, I can do everything through Christ that gives me strength. So when you feel incapable, say, God, I claim that capacity that only you can give. Now here's something really important I want to say and we'll finish. God wants you and I to treat other people the way he treats us. He wants us to treat other people as accept other people. No matter who they are. He wants us to treat them as valuable. He wants us to love them unconditionally. He wants us to forgive them completely. He wants us to treat them as capable. And you know the reason you, you and I don't do that? Because we don't feel it. We don't believe it. So this is your choice. Your, your choice, my choice. You're going to accept your feelings, but feelings lie. Or you're going to believe what God says about you. Started with this statement, Believer, behavior flows from identity. What we think determines how we feel, which determines how we act. Are you going to act like a child of the king? And inherit, going to inherit the universe? It's your choice and mine. So we're going to pray and have a song, and then we're going to have our, again, a drawing for the three prizes. Let's pray. Father God, thank you. I thank you for the capacity that you give us. I thank you for unconditional love and your mercy and your grace. We thank you that we are accepted in Jesus, that we are valuable in Jesus, that we're forgiven in Jesus. And God, I want to pray for anyone here that's not a Jesus follower. We're delighted that they were here. Hopefully they found this helpful. If they're, especially if they're struggling with our identity, which they probably are, we pray that they would step across that line and accept this identity and much more that you, Christ Jesus, give us. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.